Ta-da! So we're in the midst of vacation season, and I want to thank you all for coming today. We're starting to take advantage of the finely nice weather, and we're either going somewhere near or somewhere far. I get to go on vacation next week, and we're going out to Missouri. I remember one vacation, uh, we went up to Wisconsin Dells when my oldest son was then two years old. So that was Mason. Some of you might know Mason or seen him running around here. So that was about nine years ago. We loaded up the car and we headed out. And about five minutes later, he started asking us a question. Are we going to Balcazen? And Matt and I would reply, no, we're going to vacation. And he kept it up, and more he asked, the angrier he got. And before long, he had worked himself up into a fury. And he was mad. He was a preschooler in the midst of a full-blown temper tantrum, strapped in a car seat with parents who were held helplessly hostage to his unreasonable rage. Well, Saul in our scripture today was also filled with anger. Saul approved of killing Stephen, who was a Jesus follower, because on one level he was a blasphemer, and on another level he was calling a dead man the son of man, who had been crucified and accused of being a seditionist. Now Pharisees knew the law, they kept the law, and they kept the traditions handed down by their elders. Pharisees were charged with keeping the law and amending it as needed. They studied Torah to ensure the people could stay holy for God. Saul was a Pharisee. He knew the law that good Jews were to keep. He was a well-educated Roman citizen. Saul was a righteous Jew, devoted to God, now, to be righteous means to have a right and peaceful relationship with God. And Paul did. Keeping Torah, or law, was a Jew's duty as one of God's chosen people. It was their duty to keep their side of the covenant, just as God kept God's side of the promise. So you can look at it this way. We can think of a Pharisee kind of like our legislators today. When a law is vague, they make amendments to clarify. Their intent is not to complicate things, but rather to make the law more coherent. However, if you've ever taken a look at today's written laws, ever seen the twists and turns and exclusions and specifications, you might say our legislators were trying to make the law more complicated. God's covenant was a covenant with a lot of wiggle room for people. God understands there's a lot of gray in this world. People with our stubbornness and propensity for trying to get around the rules desire more structure, especially to keep someone else from getting away with too much. On the day Stephen was killed, Saul stood as witness and approved of Stephen being stoned. They dragged him outside the city gates in their self-righteous rage, 
so that they might be in accordance with Torah. They laid their clothes at the feet of Saul, who was someone they trusted. The rocks flew, the blood spattered. A murderous fury were on the participants that day. And young Saul stood by and approved of the violence. Do you think he might have felt a tickle of guilt when with his last breath Stephen prayed for the forgiveness of their sins? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus and now Stephen were calling out the Pharisees for making God's covenant too complicated for people. They purported that by expanding upon the law, the Pharisees were not keeping Israel holy. Instead, they were keeping them from God. Saul couldn't stand for that. He was born a Jew, studied the law, and kept the traditions handed down to him by their elders. The people of the way, these Jesus followers, they threatened to change all that. Saul was committed to stopping them. And so he began a campaign to destroy the church. He went from house to house, scouring Jerusalem and dragging off both men and women. Everyone except the apostles fled. So I want to ask you this morning, who do we kill today because of beliefs we hold based upon traditions we seldom think of? Who do we stone because we don't fully understand the mercy of God? Who do we deny because our theologies are not fully thought out? Do you know Stephen? Saul was so set against the sect of Jews who followed Jesus' just and merciful ways that he obtained an order of extradition from the high priest who sat in Jerusalem for anyone he found in the synagogues of Damascus. He wanted to bring all of them back as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so he set out on his fateful journey. Now, we're all people of the 21st century, and we're experienced with science. And I'm venturing a guess that no one here has ever had an experience with supernatural light surrounding you on the road in the middle of the country. Our experiences with light shining down from heaven, I dare say, are probably related to extraterrestrial visitations rather than a vision of holiness. Nor, I bet, did you encounter either little gray men or Jesus in such a way as this, where everyone knew something profound was happening, just not exactly what. And I'm guessing that a few of you have experienced that few of you have experienced complete temporary blindness that was caused not by illness, but by supernatural effects. We are told in scripture that Saul, in fact, did encounter a light on the road to Damascus. And within this light, he encountered Jesus Christ. My speculative mind inquires why, of all possibilities, Saul would believe this vision as being from God. So let's remember that 
Saul had studied Torah, so he was familiar with the stories of Exodus and of all the prophets. Light is God's thing. God appeared to Abraham in the light of the burning bush. God went before the escaped Hebrew slaves at night as a pillar of fire. God is described elsewhere as lightning, brightness, a reflecting crystal, and again as fire. The Hebrew word for glory in some passages is linked to light or fire. Light today is still a sign of knowledge. A light bulb above our heads means there's an idea. We have words and phrases like enlightenment, illumination, shed some light on it, plain as day, and in a whole new light. So it's safe to say Saul was familiar with the concept of God showing up in light. Therefore, when he found himself surrounded by a blinding light from heaven, he fell to the ground. And then he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Can you imagine Jesus meeting you in your driveway and asking why you are persecuting him? What would be your response? I think mine would be something like persecuting you. I'm not persecuting you. How am I persecuting you, Lord? I follow your commandments. I talk to you a lot. I try to be a good person. I have morals. I have sympathy and empathy. How can I possibly be persecuting you? Am I the only one who would feel maybe a little indignant, perhaps ashamed that Jesus could accuse any of us as persecuting him? But don't we persecute Jesus every time we forsake brotherly love for the rule of law or nature or what is understanding of another's situation? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So when Saul got up and opened his eyes, he was blind. The men who were with him had to lead him into Damascus to a house there. And that's where he stayed. There Paul prayed, and he did not eat or drink for three days. I would imagine that Paul asked pondered and considered a lot about his beliefs about God about life during those three days have you ever experienced a time when you prayerfully addressed something with God which you believed I know I have quite a bit in fact like Saul my faith in God is strong and so I know that while I may not understand all the particulars of God's plans, I know that God will not fail me. Whether I like the enlightenment I receive or not, I can trust that God's got this. So what is spiritual blindness, and how do you know if you've got it? Chances are your physical eyesight is fine. Spiritual blindness, though, is not being able to see the abundance that God has given us through Christ. 1 
personal moral perceptions can act in the same way as blinders do on a horse. They can focus, narrow our vision um, that won't allow us to see the bigger picture of God's love. What I've come to understand is that in my own spiritual blindness, it's somewhat undetectable until I have reached an aha moment. For example, I like Teeter Farms' mission to help end food security in Hamilton County. But then it occurred to me we weren't just providing vegetables. We were providing healthy, nutrient-dense, freshly harvested, good-for-your-body food. And I realized that's just what God does. God provides abundantly. God gives us what we need, sure. But God goes beyond that and provides abundantly. God gave us Jesus while we were all still sinners. And beyond that, I have learned through seminary of God's provisions through storytelling. When we take the stories in the Bible and apply dramatic acting techniques, there are yet more layers, like an onion, that add to my comprehension of God's abundant grace. I was once blind to all that. And becoming a mother illumined for me what God as our parent really means. It is ruminations like these, along with prayers and seeking, that help lift my blinders. I have had to use a white cane to feel my way along the path down which God is leading me. No blinding light from heaven for me at any of these times. What really matters is God, our personal relationship with God, and acceptance of ourselves so that we might be able to love others likewise. Does that sound familiar? It should. It's not about living holy, because as the Bible shows us, we always fail at that, even through our best intentions. The Bible also shows us repeatedly that though we all fail at being holy, it isn't fatal. God has, after all, issued a rescue plan, Jesus. Saul had faith in God that God's got this. God sent him Ananias, a man with his own doubts about what God had planned for this man, Saul. Ananias healed Saul, and the scales fell away from his eyes. Saul was baptized in the spirit. He ate to regain his strength and he immediately began preaching to the Gentiles that Jesus was the Son of God. And you can see, too, God is not finished with you. God doesn't wash his hands of you because you're stuck in a rut, stuck in a tradition, in a way of life, in transgression, elation, too old or too young. No matter what your blind failure is, it isn't fatal to God. God wants to reach everybody with his all-encompassing love. So remember that story I was telling about little Mason throwing a fit about Balkazin? Our failure to understand his toddler language caused a great deal of turmoil for us. 
three of us. Fortunately, we did not stop trying to understand one another. We did not let our exasperation or his frustration become fatal for our relationship. In fact, we were enlightened with the true meaning of Balkazin. He was saying, vacation. Aha! The whole time Mason had been asking us if we are going to vacation. And we had kept telling him no because we didn't understand him. I am so glad that God doesn't let all of our spiritual failures be fatal either. Saul's zealousness caused the scattering of many people. And God used those scattered people in all those places to preach the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ spread further, faster, because of Saul's initial failure to understand. God loved Saul and called him to apostleship. God called him to spread the word that Jesus was the way to God for the Gentiles, just as the Torah is the way to God for Jews. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, like all of us here. For that very reason, Paul was shown mercy so that in him, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that is meant for you and me too. Life isn't easy, and we make it the best we can. As Forrest Gump's mama is famous for saying, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And judging someone based on our personal understanding of their situation without the personal knowledge of actually being the other person can cause us to make errors and fail. But God knows this and is patient with us as we learn. God loves us and wants us to love others and be the vessels that reveal God's love to others. We can have faith in knowing that God won't let our failure be fatal. <laughs>